It's July 3rd. We're reading through the Bible. Our Old Testament reading is Job's response to Bildad. Remember that really short chapter yesterday in chapter 25 was the ending of our Old Testament reading. And today in chapters 26, 27, and 28, which is our reading, Job is speaking continuously here. Uh, he starts with some sarcasm, and you see a lot of sarcasm uh, already in Job's responses, but here it's dripping. And uh, after that kind of sarcastic response to his comforters, he goes on to talk about God's uh, knowledge and his depth of insight, and of course that God knows all, which he's going to get to in chapter 28, that it's inscrutable. I mean, you have this sense in which God has wisdom. Wisdom's hard to find in any, I mean, it's impossible to find in any other place. And when you think about God uh, possessing it all, it's as though he is uh, frustrated that he can't have the kind of wisdom he wants, the insight to understand all that's happened to him. He knows what's happening to him and he feels the full weight of that, but he doesn't get it and he doesn't understand it. In the middle of all that, chapter 27, Job is going to be defending himself. He's going to be condemning those who are condemning him, which are these comforters. They're not comforting him, they're accusing him, and he is responding uh, in a way that shows his uh, great frustration over all of this. Uh, talking about this, that sinners will come to nothing, and I think there's got to be a sense in which he's throwing his uh, friends into that category, but certainly talking about the fact that, uh, you know, sin never pays, and in the end it all, you know, is worth nothing, and they come to nothing. And he, of course, doesn't feel like he's in that category, but he feel like, feels like he's being attacked by those who should be his friends. And so, uh, anyway, very tough section of Job, Job 26, 27, 28, all of it is Job's discourses. And you can kind of see how Job's grappling with all this soon to come to an end in our book, at least that part of it. Our New Testament reading is in Acts chapter 11, which is a pivotal part of the book. Remember, we've had persecution in Jerusalem, and things are going to move up to Antioch. But before that, it starts with Peter trying to defend the fact that he has just shared the gospel with the Gentiles. He recites the vision that he had of the clean and unclean animals. He uh, is trying to convince these guys that this is the right thing. Um, should even have their attention go back to the beginning of Christ's commission, that not only is it going to be uh, Judea and Samaria, but the ends of the earth are going to get the gospel. And so here he defends the fact that um, Cornelius and his entourage get saved, and he points to the fact that there was the gift of the Spirit given to them. And what's interesting is the conclusion of all that, which of course was a miraculous demonstration of their ability to speak in languages they hadn't learned, uh, he says, clearly then, God has granted repentance here to the Gentiles. So the idea of repentance, the Spirit coming, and the evidence of that, that would allow the apostles to say this is legitimate. Now, all that really is about people coming to the place of repentance, and that repentance gives them forgiveness and right standing with God. So um, just a, a rich explanation that all comes back to what we're trying to proclaim even today, right? That's the same message, that repentance should be proclaimed to all the nations for the forgiveness of sins. So um, great section there. Anyway, Antioch, uh, think about that. Might even be worth looking it up on a map. This is uh, north, uh, some ways north of Israel. Uh, you're past uh, Sea of Galilee, past um, Phoenicia, into the upper part of Syria, uh, up the Mediterranean coast, if you can picture that. 
and this becomes really the hub, the base of operations for the church because of so much that had happened in Israel and even in Caesarea that you've got all of this moving north and it is the first place that they are called Christians, uh, the disciples that is, the disciples of Christ are called Christians which is a, a term of derision initially but uh, only mentioned three times in the New Testament. Of course we've adopted that, taken that title and uh, and accept it as a good thing because, of course, we want to be identified with Christ. So anyway, all of this taking place in Antioch, which is an important place that eventually we will send missionaries out from this place, Paul, uh, Barnabas, this is a, um, an important city. And so we see that uh, happening here in chapter 11 of Acts. Our New Testament uh, community imperative is found in uh, Romans chapter 12, again in verse 17. This is the bottom of the verse. It says, give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. Now, this may not be the way you would expect to hear uh, the preacher saying, here's what you must do, but you need to consider what other people think. You need to consider the opinion, in particular, of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, some people think, well, I just care about pleasing God. Well, pleasing God is to make sure that you give thought to what is honorable. That word in Greek is the word good, what is right and what is wholesome in the eyes of other people, uh, particularly in the context of the body of Christ. Think about what other people think of what you do, what you decide, what you choose to do, what you choose to say. Uh, give thought to your ways in light of how it's going to affect other people. And I just put it that way. Consider what your brothers and sisters will think. Of course, the assumption is before you do something, before you say something, before you go about um, engaging in some participation in, or having some participation or engaging in some activity, uh, give thought to how that action will be perceived. And that's a very important thing as we consider how our lives affect other people. So we'll be back tomorrow with more reading through the Bible. Mm -hmm.